Good morning and welcome to Bankery. Um, and yeah, my name is Mark. I'm pastor in training here. And it is my pleasure to be able to welcome you as we, we come together. All of us of all ages are going to be in here um, and we're going to be worshipping God together. And I was thinking, with the number of us in here this morning and the number of words that I will be saying, which will be fewer than normal because it's a family service, but the number of words that each one of us will be saying, the number of words that will be said in this place this morning is massive. The number of words that we will be saying as we, as we sing to God, as we pray to Him, as we read from His Word. But really, there is one person that we come to hear from this morning. There is one word that we come to, to listen to this morning. And it's nice as it is to, to chat to each other and hear each other's words. We want to hear the word of God this morning. We want to, to gather and to hear Him speak to us. So let me read from Psalm 33, which tells us something of the power of God's word. Psalm 33, it says this. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves justice, he loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Still our hearts and minds and hear God's word. So the reading is taken from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33. Um, I'm reading from the ESV. It's actually the words are on the, on the diary sheet. So if you want to follow along, that's where they are. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. For thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel, and the Levitical priests shall never lack a man in my presence to offer burnt offerings, to burn grain offerings, and to make sacrifices forever. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant with the day, and my covenant with the night, so that day and night will not come at their appointed time. Then also my covenant with David my servant may be broken, so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne. 
and my covenant with the Levitical priests, my ministers. As the hosts of heaven cannot be numbered and the sands of the sea cannot be measured, so I will multiply the offspring of David, my servant, and the Levitical priests who minister to me. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Have you not observed that these people are saying, the Lord has rejected the two clans that he chose? Thus they have despised my people, so that they are no longer a nation in their sight. Thus says the Lord, if I have not established my covenant with day and night and the fixed order of heaven and earth, then I will reject the offspring of Jacob and David my servant and will not choose one of his offspring to rule over the offspring of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. For I will restore their fortunes and will have mercy on them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, David. Uh, Okay, I wonder, I wonder if, kids, you have ever promised to tidy your room. I wonder if you have ever promised that you're going to tidy your room and then, I don't know, something just got in the way. Has anybody done that? Has, Has anybody even made a promise? Maybe you're not foolish enough to promise to tidy your room. I know some people in our house promise to do things, and there's other things just come up. There's something that's more fun to do, or something comes on TV, or there's a toy, or they start tidying, but then the toys in the corner just look much more enjoyable. And so they make a promise, and they don't keep it. But let me tell you, it's not just the kids in our house who make promises and don't keep them. You know, as parents and as a dad, sometimes I promise that we will go out and we'll do something fun. But then time slips away and I get busy and that promise I've made, I'm not able to keep it. Some of us, we, in fact all of us, we've made promises that we just either haven't kept because of circumstances or because of just our own lack of ability to follow through on doing what we said we would do. You know, sometimes we promise that we're going to stay in touch with that friend and it just hasn't happened because we're not, we're not in control of everything. Sometimes though, sometimes we can promise things to our kids And it looks as though it's not going to happen. Especially when a promise is made about something way off in the future, like a birthday or a Christmas or something like that. And it's something that's really exciting. But kids, you can maybe think, oh, parents have forgotten about it. That promise isn't going to come true. Well, our story today in Jeremiah is about promises. And it's about promises that look like they are never going to come true. Promises that look like they are impossible, but it's a promise that will come true. So we're going to look at this promise, and we're going to think about where we are in the story. This is a bit complicated because in junior church, we have been going right the way through the Bible from Genesis, and we've looked at Genesis and how God made everybody and made them good and made them to have a relationship with him. But then what did Adam and Eve do? 
Did they obey? No, they didn't. They disobeyed, and everything fell apart. And it looked like the, the promise of having a relationship with God was gone. But God made a promise even to Adam and Eve at that time that he would send a rescuer who would undo all of the badness and fix everything. And he would make a way for people to have a relationship with him. And then we followed God's people all through their story. The, the grown-ups in the mornings are looking at Exodus, and we've been looking at that a little bit on Wednesday evenings as well, and where God rescued his people out of slavery, and he promised to give them a promised land where they could rest and have peace. Well, we see even after the Exodus, things don't quite go as planned. God's people, they continue to disobey. And even when God gives them kings, and even King David, who looked like the best king, well, we see that, that things don't pan out just as we'd hoped. In the last couple of weeks in junior church, we see how God's kingdom was torn apart and was taken away by the nation, a really big nation that took people like Daniel away into captivity. Can anybody remember the name of the nation that God sent to take his people? It begins with a B. Bab. Babylon. Babylon. Babylon would come and it would destroy the nation, take people into captivity, and if Israel, God's people, was a forest, well, it would look something like this after Babylon had been there. We've seen some of these kind of pictures, haven't we, around about here after the storms where the trees have all been cut down and it just looks like dead stumps everywhere, where once there was a big, beautiful forest, there's just dead stumps. And David, his family tree, his ancestors, David was given a great promise that there would be somebody on his throne forever, but it was, his family tree was like cut down, so all we have left is like this dead stump of wood, and it looks like nothing can come from this. But we have in the verses that David read for us, God makes a promise. In the middle of all of this disaster and this death and this ruin, he says, I will keep my promise. I'll keep my promise that I made. But it looks impossible. But he says, if you notice in the verses, he says, I will cause a branch to spring out of David. Spring out for David. David, this dead stump, there's going to be life. And it will look something like this. This dead stump, and there's a tree branch growing out of it. There is life coming out of this dead stump. Even though God's promise looks impossible. Even though God's promise is unlikely, God says he is going to keep his promise. And he is going to keep it so that somebody will come, this branch, and he will come and save his people. That's the promise he makes. When it looks like everything is dead and ruined and gone, he's going to make a promise where this branch will come and save his people. And then, Jeremiah tells the people, I know this looks unlikely, but let me tell you, it's absolutely certain. If I was to, Archie, if I was to offer you some money, if after today, 
So at night time, let me, let me word this better. Let me word this better. What comes after daytime? What com- nighttime comes after daytime. What if I was to tell you, I'll give you a million pounds if nighttime doesn't come after daytime, but you have to give me 10 pounds if nighttime does come after daytime. Will you take the, the, the deal? Probably no, probably no. Wise choice, wise choice. Jeremiah says, as sure as night follows day, that's how sure my promise is. And now, can I have a, a, a volunteer? And we'll, um, we'll look at another picture that, that Jeremiah gave to show just how reliable God's promise was. Somebody, James, can you come and help me? Okay, so similar thing for you, James. Right, I'm going to hold this apple, okay, and I'm going to ask you to cut it, cut the string. But here, if the apple flies up to the ceiling, you can have a million pounds from me, okay? (laughs) But if it falls down to the ground, you've got to give me a pound. Does that sound fair? No? All right, okay. Well, we'll do it without the money involved. Let's see what happens. What do you think? You're going to cut it for me? Watch your fingers now. Where's it going to go? Every time. Every time. Good job. You can have the apple if you want. (laughs) Every time, the apple will fall down. Because God says to Jeremiah, I will no more change the fixed order of heaven and earth, the the way that the universe is ordered. We can predict that this apple is going to fall to the ground. That's just how gravity works. In normal conditions, things fall down. And God says, just as predictable as day and night And just as predictable as gravity, as certain as those things are, my promise to send somebody to come and save the people, to save my people, it's going to happen. And they needed to be told that because, remember, they were in a time where it looked impossible. Everything looked dead, hope looked gone, but God wanted them to know, look at day and night, Look at things falling to the ground. That's how sure my promise is. And we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song that tells us about God's keeping his promise. Okay, so we, we have seen this, this nature of God's unbreakable promise. Even when God's promise looks unlikely and impossible, God tells his people that it is, it is certain it will absolutely happen as night follows day, as apples fall down to the ground, God's promise will come true. And we're going to just think about some of the specifics of the promise that God makes to his people in these verses here through Jeremiah the prophet. We see that the, the nature of this, this promise is it is going to be a forever promise. 
and it is going to be a, a promise that will not be able to be counted. The results of this promise will not be able to be counted. So first of all, it's a forever promise, this promise that God makes to his people. He says, you know, in the context of national disaster, it's going to look like for all the world, God has abandoned his people. The Babylonians will, will take them captive. And then after that, the, the city of Jerusalem will be destroyed. There will be no more temple. It will be destroyed. And we've, we've read in junior church recently how there was a return from exile, and there was a rebuilding of the temple and the walls. But they don't match the temple of Solomon's day. There's something not quite there, and it seems as though God's promises to God's people had failed, but here we see that God makes a forever promise. He says in verse 17, for thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel, and the Levitical priests shall never lack a man in my presence to offer burnt offerings, to burn grain offerings, and to make sacrifices forever. God says to this people, knowing what's going to happen, in a place where, where the, the house of the kings and the house of the priests is in ruin and rubble, he says there's always going to be a king. There will be a man who will be a king forever. And as we look through to the New Testament, we discover that this man is Jesus Christ. Matthew introduces his gospel by giving us a genealogy of Jesus Christ, saying this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. This is the one who has come to take the seat on the throne. Jesus is the king forever, and he is the one who does what kings ought to do. A king is there to give his people safety and security and provision when a king is in place, the people are, are safe. But in those years from when, Jesus, from when God made the promise to his people to when Jesus comes on the scene, it looks like a picture of disaster and ruin. But Jesus comes, and he is the one who will be king. And he doesn't come like an ordinary king. He, he, he doesn't meet many people's idea of what this Messiah King ought to be. He comes in humility. He comes as a servant, and he dies, but he does not stay dead. He rises again to life, and he is seated on the throne today in heaven, and he has perfect authority. He is the forever King that we all need. And what's the other thing that we have forever promised in these verses? God says that there will, the Levitical priest shall never lack a man in my presence. Jesus is not only the perfect forever king, he is the perfect forever priest. He is the man forever in God's presence. And the, the, the job of the priests is to represent the people to God and to reveal God to the people. He is to bring God and man together. 
And Jesus is this perfect high priest who does this job of bringing us, sinful as we are, into the presence of God. Through Jesus, this perfect priest, we ourselves can be in the presence of God, forgiven of our sins because of his death on our behalf. Jesus is talked about in Hebrews as as a priest forever. And, And because he is a priest who never dies, he lives forever, it says, to make intercession for us. We have a man in God's presence forever. Jesus, the perfect king and the perfect priest. This is something of the remarkable promise of God to his people way back then, 600 plus years before Jesus arrived. But now today, we can look back on that promise and say, even though it looked exceptionally unlikely and impossible, God has come through on his promise to give us a forever king and a forever priest. And he, he is there for us today if we trust in him. And we can be those who are brought into the presence of God, forgiven of our sin, if we trust in Jesus. And there's one other remarkable thing that I want to just mention. In verse 22, we have this this mention of the uncountable consequence of God's promise. Verse 22 says, as the host of heaven, as the stars in the sky cannot be numbered, and the sands of the sea cannot be measured, so I will multiply the offspring of David my servant and the Levitical priests who minister to me. In Jesus, we have the one man who is the forever king and the forever priest. But here we see that that promise multiplies, that there will be more offspring from David who seem to be dead and cut off He will have more children than there are stars in the sky. I wonder if any of you have looked at a picture of the galaxy recently and just seen how vast, how huge this place is. When we look up into the sky at night in a place like Bankery, there's not a huge amount of light pollution, but there is some. And when we look up initially, we we can't really see anything. But if you look for a little bit longer, suddenly some stars appear. And if you look longer, more and more and more. And they just seem to multiply. And there is an uncountable number of stars. And so God says, my promise will multiply. There will be more children in the house of David than you can count. More than the sand on the sea. You know, if we are trusting in Jesus, this promise comes to us today. We are in the royal family. We are sons and daughters of the king. We have a status that is incredible, that we as sons and daughters of the king are heirs to the throne. The promise that is ours in Jesus is is uncountable. It's uncountable in the number of people who are included in the kingdom. It's uncountable in the the value of the status that is ours in Christ Jesus. And we see another thing, that not only will there be an uncountable number of sons in the family of David, there will also be an uncountable number of priests. 
And, and the Bible tells us that the church, the church is now this royal priesthood. We are a kingdom of priests. We are, as people who have been saved by Jesus, brought into his kingdom, we're given a job to do. We are people who can display the beauty of God to the world. We can tell people about who Jesus is and this salvation that he offers. I wonder if this morning, though, you, you think of this, this promise of God to save, and you look at your own life, and you think, impossible, impossible. How could God save me? Why would God want to save me? Look at all of the sin in my life. There's things that I do that I wish I didn't do. There's things I say that I wish I didn't say. Is it really possible that God would save me? And Jesus tells us that he died, and he died in order to save people who cannot be saved. Perhaps you remember the story of the rich young ruler, which ended with the disciples and in, in misunderstanding, really, but they, they couldn't grasp that Jesus had set the bar so high, really, for people to be saved. Jesus said that, you know, unless, unless this, this rich young ruler gave everything he had away, then he couldn't come into the kingdom of God because his heart loved money more than God. And he said, unless a, a camel can fit through the eye of a needle, you can't get into the kingdom of God. And the disciple says, well, then nobody can be saved. It's impossible. And Jesus said, yeah, that's right. It's, it's impossible with, with man. But with God, everything is possible. It is possible for me to be saved because God is the one who does the saving. He who is gracious and merciful and in Christ Jesus takes the punishment for my sin, makes it possible, and not only possible, but certain that I will be saved if I trust in Christ Jesus. As certain as day, as night follows day, that is as certain as our salvation can be if we trust in Jesus for our salvation. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that you are a God who makes promises and you are a God who keeps promises. We thank you that even though to our eyes, it might look unlikely, impossible even, that you would do what you say you will do. Lord, help us to remember that you are the God whose promises are certain and sure. Thank you that you do not lie. And Father, would you help us to know the promises that are ours in Christ Jesus, promise of salvation for sinful people who do not deserve it, a promise of a hope and a future with you forever. Father, we thank you that Jesus is the true King and the forever priest who, who presents us blameless before your throne. Father, we thank you that even now he, he intercedes and prays for us. Father, we thank you for the children in this church. We thank you for the blessing that they are. Lord, would you help them to grow up knowing 
you as king. Help them to know that your promises are reliable when the promises of the world so easily disappoint. And Father, would you, would you help us as leaders and teachers and members here in this church to nurture the faith of these kids and of one another? Father, would you help those among us who are hurting, who are grieving, who are sick among us, Lord? Would you help those who have doubts and are struggling to believe? Lord, would you help them to remember that you are a God who is faithful and that you are a God who is good? So, Father, we thank you for this morning and for the, the privilege of being able to, to reflect on who you are and what you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.